right. Hello, everybody. It's the Sap, your boy, Dave Neal. We don't need to play the full intro. You guys get the point. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. This is a Friday episode with Memorial Day on Monday. I figured I'd hit you at the end of the week. I hope everyone had a good start to the summer. You know what? Make summer as long as they... Don't you think because of the pandemic, they could extend summer? Like, make Memorial Day April 1st and then end summer November 1st. I don't really know what the parameters are about summer. Of course, we know the summer uh, solstice is, what, June 20th, and that's the lightest day of the year, I believe they say. But I I uh, I want the vibes of summer to last longer than that. And I think that's what Memorial Day is, right? We give it... uh, Late May, right? Late May is when they wanted to to begin on the terms of uh, society. You know, coming from a uh, touristy town from Newport, Rhode Island, summer is a big deal in Newport, Rhode Island. You get basically eight good weekends. And when you start quantifying like summer and holidays like that, like my favorite comedian, Robert Kelly, had a joke about only having like 30 summers left. And when you get to an age where you go, oh my gosh, Every single summer is just one less summer I'll have. What are we going to do to make it the best we can? Well, Tasha and I, uh, we, we're, we're fully vaxxed. We got the vaccines. And by the way, I do want to shout out everyone who's watching on the Patreon. Uh, to watch the video of this, it's on patreon.com slash Dave Neal. It was patreon.com slash this app, but I changed it to Dave Neal. Um, maybe I'll do that with the podcast. Maybe we'll rebrand the podcast. I'd love to know what people think. Of course, SAP is short for Sex Actually Podcast. And as a lot of you guys know, when I made Sex Actually, it's because I had to rebrand it from what it was previously called You Up because my co-host was leaving after, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 episodes. I don't remember how many we did. God bless her. I haven't seen Gabby in a while. I don't know how she's doing. But, um, you know, the show must go on. So I called it the Sex Actually podcast because it's like love actually, but sex. And then the more I did the podcast, the more I realized while sex is important, that's real. sex is really like... Uh, it's the dessert of the whole scenario, right? Like sex is the reward for all of the other work that is done. The dating, the relationship, being in a communication, a healthy, a communicative relationship. So I feel like the podcast has drifted more to uh, self-improvement, development, uh, communication, and sort of like a self-actualizing, right? So we're here always to talk about ways that we can improve ourselves. It's like, listen, folks, I don't know what happens when our time is done here on earth, but all I can tell people is this. You're stuck with the body you have. You're stuck with the mind you've got and your soul. And it's what we decide to do with that that really determines our happiness, um, the, you know, the fruits of all of our labor. Do we just say, well, you know, I'm a piece of shit, I'm a... I'm going to be cynical. I'm going to be this way. The world's this way, so I have to be that way. Are we going to uh, go live in a world where we're reactionary to all of our surroundings, or are we going to create our reaction to all of the little gifts that exist around us? And this is the hard thing to think about. You know, a lot of people uh, who listen to the podcast, you know, you come from we, we, very diverse backgrounds and from all over, but I think we can all agree on this. We want to find happiness and peace. We've all like, you know, you're looking at your smartphone, you're looking at Instagram, you're seeing other people's successes on Facebook, you're seeing what appears to be happiness with everyone else, but we have to remind each other that 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 feeling, that dopamine rush of whatever that momentary happiness is, that's, that, that's not who we are. So who we are is how we 
survive the day to day. I tell you this, I've been, uh, I've literally been in Thailand on a beach thinking about, you know, my friends that are doing stand-up shows at a dive bar, wondering if I'd be happier at the dive bar. Not to say I'm not happy to be in Thailand at the beach. The point is we're so trained to be chasing that carrot stick that sometimes we don't appreciate what's like smack dab right in front of us. And it's hard, especially for me, I, I get so obsessive. It's hard to, to exist in a world where I need to appreciate the big, like the big picture. So, so with my YouTube in the success I've had this year, I'll, I'll, you know, like, you know, like a year ago, I was making like 20 bucks a month on YouTube and now I'm making, you know, more, I would say more in a month than maybe I was making in six months in my, on a side job, maybe, maybe if it, maybe if it's even bigger and it has ebbs and flows, it changes. The point being is like, I became, I have become so obsessive on the day to day of the YouTube channel that I'm missing like the bigger picture. Like the YouTube channel isn't the be all end all. The podcast isn't the be all end all. The be all end all is waking up every day and feeling like I've got, you know, a gift of life, a healthy, you know, relationships doing well, you know, gift of life, not, you know, I'm out of debt, all, the, all these simple things that like I would have like wished for several years ago. And now I don't have to worry about those short term things, but I'm still like hustling and grinding. Uh, here's a good example. Tasha and I are going on a international trip uh, later this summer. We don't have all the details worked out, so I'm not going to say where, but it's like a tropical place. It's going to be great. Tasha is really good at, uh, she's in a, a like influencer network. So she's able to get, um, you know, essentially a, a trade, a trade deal with uh, resorts. So we'll be shooting some nice content and then we'll get to stay there. Now, of course, trust me when I say this, it'll be work. Like we're going to be working, but it'll be fun as well. We're going to have a good time. But so we have to cover our flights. And we go to book the flights yesterday and the cheapest are like, you know, 600 bucks. But like, you know, those are like 17 hour layovers. Like the, the cheapest realistic flight was like maybe in the $700 range, which isn't crazy when you're going to a tropical location, you know. And then and then Tasha wants to get the, you know, we, we click on it and there's an extra fee that is like $30 to pick where you sit. And Tasha's like, well, we have to, we have to choose this. And I'm like, bullshit we do she's like well no i'm not gonna s sleep next to some stranger for five hours like we like we need to pay extra to sit next to each other and i'm thinking like i'm not paying an extra 30 dollars <laughs> to sit next to you like this is our chance to sleep like we don't need to but for her she leans on me you know it's a big and obviously i, I do respect the fact that as a woman she has to deal with like creeps or people small talking her like i don't have to deal with that no one's small talking me on a flight the sad part is i'm probably going to small talk them it's like oh you want to be annoying i'm going to annoy the shit out of you so so it's an extra 30 bucks for that and then it's like an extra 30 bucks for the check bag and it's that. so it comes out to like an extra 77 bucks per ticket each flight. And I'm like, that's an extra uh, $300. No, like we're not. And you know, I'm like, we get to the gate. I talk to the gate lady and then she'll get our seats next to each other. When there's a flight with 300 people on a flight, you know, you like, I've never not, I've never had a problem like getting like I, I every single time, you know, it's one thing if you want an aisle seat, but when you're sitting as couples, it's like, I'm willing to bite the bullet and take the middle and she can have the window or the aisle or whatever. And and I just had this hard stance in my in my like stupid mind where I was thinking, I'm not like I can afford to spend the extra $30. This isn't a big deal, yet it still stresses me out. So even though 
I've changed a lot of my circumstances, even though I've kind of spun my way out of debt and, and created some, some good cash flow, I'm still living this poor man's mentality. And it makes you wonder, if you're living a poor man's mentality, or woman, or whatever gender you, uh, you are, what other limitations are out there? So if, I, if I'm worried about the $30, uh, even though I can afford the $30, you know, then what other ways am I limiting myself to bigger rewards, to bigger results? Like, uh, like with my YouTube channel, I'd like to make three, three videos a day. Uh, you know, they're fast paced. If you watch my, if you listen to my podcast and don't watch the YouTube, maybe it's not for you. I don't know, but it's really a lot of fast paced ranting kind of BS in it's, it's a lot of, it's fun. It's, I have a fun time with it. The audience is amazing. Uh, but maybe instead of three videos a day, I do two videos a day and spend that extra time preparing for bigger things. And that's kind of like, that's, that's the balance we, we, we make. It's like, how much do I, what do I need to do to survive today? But how much do I need to do to invest in myself for tomorrow? And the problem with so many of our like gigs that we take that they pay such shit that we barely can survive that day. Like there's so many jobs that people take that pay you just enough. Like why would an employer offer to pay you more? They want to pay you just enough so that you continue working for them. Like if they pay you too much, you might get enough uh, slack on the line of life as it were and be able to fund your own investments, your own ventures, your own company. So it's not to, it's not to hate on employers. It's just kind of how it is. It's just kind of how it is. So I do question like the balance between, okay, I'm making more than I've ever made. Do I put my foot on the gas of YouTube right now? Or do I take this as a chance to, to like cap off and realize, all right, I can take the afternoons to write my script. Well, I'll tell you what I've done. I've taken the, the, my competitive nature. I've taken that script I was writing and I threw it in the trash. Not literally. I'm actually looking at right now the board that has all the notes. You know, the Act One, Act Two, Act Three notes and the different scenes. And, and it's I, I haven't touched it. I since my YouTube channel has started to take off, I haven't touched the script. I've been chaotically obsessive over my YouTube. You know, like to the point where yeah, <laughs> did I yesterday. You know, sometimes I have to create a story and like I have to ditch whatever plans we had. I remember Tasha and I, we were, we were about to sit down for dinner. Like Tasha had made dinner. We were about to sit down and this breaking news story hit. And this is a couple months ago when like we were still at my old place and, and things were sort of hot and heavy. Like, like I was just starting to get some buzz and Claire and Dale were spotted together. If you don't follow Bachelor, they broke up and they were spotted together in Florida. And I was like, honey. They broke up. This was a big story in my community. I was like, I got to go make this video. And she, she was like, no, absolutely. Like she totally understands when she, she totally understands that a, a breaking news video might be worth a thousand bucks. It might be worth $2,000. It might, it might not be worth anything, but there is a chance that it's like a valuable video. So you got to make it. So I, I made that video and it took off. And that's kind of like the cycle of how my channel has been where like I've, I've just been living the last six months ready to go at a moment's notice. I've built my studio so I've got additional monitors and lights and everything, all the extra gears so that when a story breaks, I'm just ready to go. And, and I think that's healthy to a point. 
And I make most of my videos in the morning between 7 a.m. And, and noon for the most part. I do the afternoon live streams. But the point is, is that I have to, I have to find a way to detach from this. Like, like uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. You know what? You know what's important to do? Here's an interesting thought. Let me have a sip here. For stand-up comedy, until you're like really big, until you have a big following and you're, uh, you know, doing really well, there are so many comedians in Los Angeles, and it's probably this probably isn't true for a lot of small markets, but in Los Angeles, New York, there are so many big comedians. If you never ask to be on a comedy show, chances are no one will ever have you on the show. So, I, and again, I hate asking anybody for anything. I hate it. I just, there's something in me where I just feel like, I, you guys know how it is when you're like, all right, I'm sorry to ask you for this. I'm a piece of crap. I'll tell you this. I asked Katie Thurston if she would um, shout out, if she, like uh, she, she's going to be the next Bachelorette and we've had a n- nice texting relationship. And I said, hey, um, I said, hey, I know you're not really always allowed to do this, but I was like, if, you, if, if it's cool, could you send me a video for my Bachelorette premiere saying, Hey, you know, uh, you know, good luck, everybody have a good season. You know, it's going to be a fun ride, whatever. Just like a specific, like an Instagram story. And she goes, she literally was like, you, she, cause I always, t- she's always like, ask me for anything. She's very sweet. She's like, ask me for anything. No big deal. And I was like, li- literally, I'm never going to ask you for anything. She was like, please ask if I can't do something, I'll let you know, you know, cause she's got these contracts, ABC bachelor, this and that. And so I texted her and I was like, I hate that I'm even asking you this. I'm going to go have to take a shower because I'm, I'm grossed out. But for all my new subscribers, you know, if you could give them a shout out, that would be amazing. And she was like, you literally asked me for the one thing I can't do, <laughs> which I totally get. And I was like, I totally get it. I totally get it that like they, they, they you're under for like a two year contract. It's like Scientology. They're like, you're, you're ours, bitch. Um, but anyway, uh, the point is that I, I'm despised. I'm, I, I, ugh, I can't ask anything. And that's the biggest downfall of my stand-up comedy is that I, I have a hard time asking for spots on people's shows. I have a hard time both with the physical act of saying, hey, if you've ever got you know room, I'd love to do a, a spot on your show. I, I have a hard time with that. And I have a hard time with sitting down and booking shows, which means literally sitting down and, and creating the space the time needed to sit down and say, um, I'd love to do your show. But instead, so here's what here's where it gets funny. I'll spend time going to open mics and I'll spend all the time doing the bullshit stuff within stand-up comedy, which is basically like see and be seen. I'll spend all that time when I could have sat down for maybe even one hour a week and banged out a list of all the shows that are in town and say, I'd love to do your show. I'd love to do your show. I'd love to do your show. Send it, you know, whatever, DMs, Instagram. Instead, you know, because I've done comedy for 10 years. Like I do, I do, I do well. I'm not, I'm never where I want to be, but I'm, I'm happy and proud of where I've, where I've gone. So like I'm a, I'm a value added to the show. But the point is, is that there's so many comics that are hustling and asking that it's not, it's not a line. You're not in the deli line. And maybe this is some good advice for life. You're not in the deli line where you can just say, I'd love to, I'm next. I'm 13. That's just not how it works. So I've been holding my deli ticket saying, I'm, I'm 13. You, you were on 12 and now I'm 13. And the guy behind me is going, yeah, but let me do that spot. So, and there's so many good, amazingly talented comedians that I don't have, I, I don't deserve to wait in the line. Like the line does, it's not fair and it's not supposed to be. 
So a lot of old corporations are like, oh, you become a junior associate, then an associate, then a junior regional, then a regional, then a... And it's like, that's not the way the world works anymore. The way the world works now is you do whatever you need to do. Like I used to be in film, right? You become a, a production assistant. Then you become an assistant director, a second assistant director, an assistant director. And eventually you might work your way up the stream, but that's just not how it works now. Now it's like, but give me a camera. I'll go buy it. I'm going to finance it. I did a film project once where the guy funded the film by recycling um, cans. He recycled uh, soda cans and that's how he funded his film. And like that person's worth more than someone who rises to the ranks the traditional way, traditional ways out the window. So with all that said, it's almost me just saying part of the way I failed in, in my own like need for stage time is, is, is not asking. If you've ever worked in sales, they tell you, I remember I worked in sales and the only way I could pass the training, we were in this training program in college, and the only way I could pass the training was if I asked for the job. And in front of a, in front of a, like, we'd have, so we'd have our manager come with us to do um, an estimate of a, of a painting a house, right? It was for uh, house painting, which, which sounds minimal, but it was very specific and simple. And, and you have to end your interview with the homeowner by saying, all right, it's going to cost us $3,200. Uh, you know, 15% deposit, this and that. But you have to end the interview with them saying, I'd love to paint your house. May I have this job? And, or, or however you want to say it. And it was fascinating to me because it was really, really hard to do. But I knew if I didn't say those words, I wasn't going to get through. Like they'd make me do the whole thing again. So it was like, it was so hard for me to do. And it still is to say, hey, I'd love to do your stand-up show sometime. Even though I know I belong on that stage and I belong all over, all, you know, all over it. It's still hard to ask. And I think we probably live in a society where that's becoming harder to do. Because I think, I mean, I grew up, you know, born in 85. So I grew up in the 90s where I didn't even want to answer the phone or like I was so afraid to like talk to strangers and it might sound crazy that I that I don't mind doing it on stage. I don't mind doing it doing it on YouTube. I don't mind going to a bar and talking to strangers. But that ask, there's something about the ask when you're asking for somebody's time, when you're asking for help. I mean, I barely got a friend to help me move. I, I All I wanted to do was pay people because I didn't want to have to owe them anything. Ugh, it was gross. And unfortunately in industries that are of demand, there's a lot of people that are willing to ask if you, if you don't. And that's kind of what, you know, you see. So anyway, um, kind of a tangent there, but the, uh, the idea being whatever, however it applies to you, you got to figure out a way to, to, um, grow whatever, um, whatever ovaries or testicular fortitude you need to figure out how to ask for your dreams. And, and part of it, I feel like is an energy thing. Part of it's like, you're not just asking the person, hey, can I perform on your stand-up, on your stage? I, I you know, I, I'm a good comic, blah, blah, blah. Part of it's like you telling the universe, I deserve this. So what is it that you deserve that you're not asking for? And what are you going to do to create enough potential energy to turn that into a real thing? And you know, that this kind of happens a lot, I think, in the dating world where people will get so fed up from the bullshit of dating, they'll get they'll they'll get burned or ghosted. They'll they'll just stop caring and they'll be like, you know what, whatever. And it's almost like that lack of caring sometimes will strip away that desire to be liked by others, that desire to fit in, and then you can become your true self. And that's kind of like a power place to be. Sometimes it's a power place to be when you're like, look, I don't care. I don't care what people think. I deserve to be up there, so I'm gonna ask. 
I went to I went to um, the taping of the show, The Soup. I knew uh, the comic who's the host of it, Jade Catapretta. Oh, she was on the podcast. And a friend of mine came to the taping. You know, The Soup, Joel McHale, and there was some other hosts of The Soup. So we go to the taping, and I bring my buddy, and he has the balls to ask the um, floor manager, who's like the producer who runs the show, to be the warm-up comic. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, A, I brought you to this show. B, the ball's on you to even ask that. That's like, there's so many chains, there's so many avenues to ask permission before. Like, you you just went, you just like knocked on the door as the mailman and asked if you could, uh, you know, be the uh, vice president's, uh, you know, assistant. It's like, what the, f-? you know? So... So anyway, I don't think he ended up getting it, but I just saw, I was like, I just saw into that ability that some people have to push aside the norms and just ask, you know, just ask for the job. So anyway, I'm going to ask you guys to leave a nice review if you haven't already. And thank you guys so much. I have no problem on my YouTube saying like, all right, join the Patreon if you want. But for me, that's like, I'm, it's like, do it if you want, you know, but if you don't, fine. Um, in the dating world, I, I had, I had no, I had no problem with like, uh, approaching women for the most, I mean, we all get like stage fright and nerves, you know, we're like, Oh, you know, but you have a drink or two, you seem fine. But there's something about the resistance, which is that undeniable tension that we all have that prevents me from doing the hard things. It's almost like this. Like we know how to do things that make sense. I know if I make X amount of YouTube videos, I'll make X amount of dollars. It still fluctuates wildly, but I know I got to make those videos for those dollars to come in. I know that my old videos, it's not evergreen content where people are just going to continue watching. I know I need new content for new people to show up. Some stuff performs better than others. It's really above my pay grade. What what, what, what becomes viral and what doesn't, but you know, in general, that's what I got to do. But you know, I should be writing this script. You know, what if, what if I got a award-winning script in my hands here and I haven't pushed it across the finish line and I've got the book. I even bought the book, the 90 day screenplay or whatever. I got to like day 28. And, and, and again, to my credit, YouTube has been life changing. So I'm not even upset that I decided to focus all of my energy this year on the growth of YouTube because like I said, it's life changing. So I don't want to look at it as like thinking I can be five different versions of me. It's like, no, no, no. I made a choice to grow my YouTube, to really focus on that performance aspect and all of that. But now I have to say, okay, the initial growth from like 2000 to 32,000 has happened. And maybe 32,000 to 100,000 will be just as fast, but I'm not going to create 15 videos a day. Like I'm kind of like, what's my sweet spot? What can I do? And then shut it off. What can I do? And then shut it off and work on other things and just say, I already did enough for the day. And then when a breaking news story comes, a breaking news story comes. But like, that's, that's kind of the question I dabble with. And it's kind of like a supply chain management. It's like, how many widgets can I push through this machine without breaking this machine? You know, how much coal do I need to shovel into the engine to keep this train running? And I talked to Tasha about this, how it's like, well, you know, like we're, we're about to travel and I'm going to get a VPN so I can watch the bachelor content and, and do my recaps while we travel internationally. Now, I'm only going to spend maybe two or three hours a day doing that. And by all means, I, I, her and I are both, and I know it sounds tacky to be like, you're going to go on vacation and still work. I'm going to keep the coal. I'm going to keep shoveling the coal into the train while I'm gone, you know? And, and if it takes a couple hours a day while I do that from a patio at a resort, 
then then that's what it's going to be. And, you know, Tasha can go walk the beach while I do that, or she can work on her Instagram. But it's about, it's, it's about finding ways to make bold moves and knowing which to pursue. I think that's what it comes down to. And right now, I guess that's been, that's been YouTube for me. And, you know, if it was something else that took off, maybe then I would be doing something else. You know, a lot of, a lot of comics, you know, are like they, you, you get in at a comedy club. So then that's the comedy club you work. It's like, you don't do, you don't necessarily do things in life because that was the necessary thing you pursued. It's because that's the thing that you were good at and that welcomed you in. And then you grow from there. So I love stand up. I need to do a better job of the business side of the resistance of saying, like I said this the other day, I was like, look, all I need to do is sit down one hour twice a week and bang out submissions. And that'll literally fill up my schedule with stand-up shows. It'll, it'll mean I don't have to do as many open mics because I'll be getting my stage time in and all these different things. And it's like, you can say it, you can shut it from a rooftop, what the formula is. It's still really hard to follow it, but that's what I'm going to be trying to do. Um, so yeah, I was going to tell this story. Um, and it's by no means bashing Tasha, my lovely fiance, co-host of the podcast. She's going to be back on the show, hopefully soon. We've been happy together. I promise you guys this. If anyone actually really cared, they'd be like, what's wrong with you guys? She hasn't been on the podcast in two months. She's been busy. I've been busy. We moved to our new place and we, we literally don't have a podcasting setup. So I've just been doing solo episodes. I cleaned out our office, which is our second bedroom in the new place, which is amazing. It's, you know, in our old podcast studio, it used to be our kitchen. So every time we wanted to record, I'd have to re-clean things out. It created so much stress and so much havoc because Tasha and I work under different conditions. She wants to clean the house like immaculately every time we have a podcast. So then an hour episode turns into a full day's activity. A lot of stress is involved with people coming over to our house. I just have to realize that might not be the best setup for all of us. So I don't know what what we'll be doing moving forward, but we got this new place, two bedroom. You guys have seen, you know, the videos on the vlog and this and that. Uh, we love it. Uh, but all of the little boxes of things and picture frames and stuff that we haven't unpacked has got thrown in the office. So it's been a massive amount of clutter just in the office. Like this was the spot where all the clutter is. So I spent the weekend cleaning it, stacking it, getting rid of things. Uh, you know, so much goodwill, so much, just throw it out. Oh, but it's a nice face cloth. Throw it out. We got too many face cloths. You know, at like some point you just gotta be like, it's gotta go. It's gotta go. You know? So we got rid of so much stuff. And then Tasha's like, and, and again, and I give her credit this, she's, she's really wanted to get a pullout couch in the office. So that way, when we have guests over her family, they have a place to stay. But of course, when we have a pullout, when we have a, a guest staying with us, then I don't get to, then I, then I, then I'm not doing my content on the daily. So we'll have to see how that works out. I don't expect it to be a big problem because I don't expect we'll have guests too often. So maybe when we have guests over, I'll just move my, my setup over to the other room and just, you know, whatever. So I don't wake people up. I don't know. But yesterday she texts me and she's like, um, she showed me there's this outlet store where that has the perfect couch she's looking for. She wants white. We already have a white couch. It's already been ridiculous to keep it clean. We have a basset hound, basset hound, basset in French means low. So we have a low hound. 
So everything he walks on, he picks up. And if you don't know Southern California, it actually gets very windy and it blows this dust in. And there's like this black dust everywhere. Every time we, our whole place, everything we've bought for our new place, we've got a couch, we've got outdoor patio furniture that's all white cushions. Every time we want, we have to put it all away in this bin and then bring it out and like wipe it all down before. It's a disaster trying to, trying to do white. I don't think we'll ever do it again. So anyway, she wants to get this white couch. You know, it comes, it's like a, it's like a $3,000 couch. Couches are really expensive, which I never, I never knew how expensive couches are. So she wants to get this couch. I go, all right, well maybe for Saturday and I'm recording this Thursday afternoon. So this was Wednesday yesterday. She goes, no, I wanted to get it today. She had the day off of work, which means like, I guess I have the day off of work. And I was like, I got work to do myself. So she wanted to get the couch and I was like, all right. So she was like, we need to go, we need to ask... Uh, our friend Matt to borrow his truck. And I was like, listen, when someone has a truck, everyone asks them to borrow it. So, I, and again, just pull, you know, going back to my thing of not wanting to explain things to people, I was like, or not wanting to ask people for anything. I was like, Matt, if, if you're around, I'll pay you. Can I borrow your truck? Blah, blah, blah. And he turns out he wasn't, but I was like, you know what? I don't even want to do that. So before he even said no, I went on like an enterprise rental and found that that actually right near us in downtown LA, you can rent a truck for 75 bucks for the day. And I was like, well, that's a pretty good deal. So we go to downtown LA to rent a truck. Uh, we get there. There's breaking news in the bachelor world, which I was like, geez, you know, it was, it, it was, you know, and it was like uh, very frustrating to know there was breaking news and I wasn't near, near my studio because I was like, I got to record this. I got to just make a video. It'll take me five minutes, make a video. And it, you know, could introduce me to a whole bunch of new followers. You got to ride that train whenever there's searchable content, blah, blah, blah. So I make it over like outside at the, uh, waiting for the rental car to be cleaned, you know, before they give it to us. And it was just like ridiculous. And then we, f- we forgot the moving straps. So we had to go back to our apartment or our, ha- our house before we went to buy the, buy the uh, couch. So we ended up going back to our house and I recorded it properly. Very quick video. It did fine. Made a couple bucks. Um, and then we went to go drive to this outlet store. Now, the outlet store is uh, supposed to be 90 minutes away, but now it's 5 p.m. So it's two hours away. And it's really two hours and 15 minutes away. So we're going to get there at 7.15 p.m., half an hour before they close. And we don't even know if the couch is reserved or still exist. We called them earlier and I was like, uh, can we like hold a couch? They're like, no. I was like, can we put a deposit down? They're like, no. I was like, can we buy it? They're like, no. So I was like, can you at least put some things on the couch so people don't want to sit on it and they don't want to, I was like, can you just hide the couch for me? We're on our way. And the guy's like, all right. So they weren't helping us. It turned out it was like a $2,000. I'm trying to do the math on it. It was a $2,000 couch and a $700 Ottoman. We didn't want the Ottoman, but the Ottoman, like they wouldn't sell it to us without the Ottoman. I was like, what if that's all we want to buy? I was like, you know, we'll walk out of here. They're like, listen, no matter what, my manager's not going to let me sell it. I had them ask the manager. I was like, I really don't want this $700 Ottoman because I know we're just going to have, we're just going to try to sell it for 200 bucks. It's just going to be a huge loss. The couch is white. We ended up buying it. It was 85 inches, but we only, we online, it said it was 81 inches. And it's like I said, it's already going in a tight spot. So we literally don't have the room for it, but we're like, oh, we'll make it work. So we buy the couch. I'm loading it. We, we stopped by at a Chipotle. It's, you know, it's completely wrapped in plastic. They did that whole thing. We're at a Chipotle. I'm, I'm making sure the straps are good because I'm on the highway with this couch with a giant ottoman on top of it. And some guy walks by and he goes, ah, oh, you went with the white couch. <laughs> I go, 
It was my lady's choice. He goes, I got three kids, can't do it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm getting heckled because this is a white couch. And you know, and, and he's not wrong. These things are impossible to keep. It's it's impossible. I mean, imagine just like, you know, you, you touch something dusty, then you sit on the couch. Now the couch has the dust. I mean, it's impossible to keep these things clean. Now we have literally like three white couches. We have the one that we got, you know, whatever. So we're, we're five minutes away from getting home. And Tasha goes, oh my gosh. And, and this is how, it was such an impromptu purchase. You know, when you, when you see something that's on sale or whatever. By the way, the couch was 40% off of the 30,000. So after taxes and everything, it came out to $2,002. So it's a $2,000 couch, but um, which is still, I know, oh, hold on a second. I just lost one second here, folks. I just lost some audio. Oh, there we go. Or, or okay. My computer fell asleep there. I wanted to make sure my stream wasn't dead. Um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, if anyone knows couches, you, you, you know that even a $2,000 couch isn't even that expensive. That's like the knockoff version of the nice couch. And it's a pullout couch, which means it's extra heavy and it's bigger than we thought. So we're about 10 minutes from getting home and she goes, hey, we didn't really think about how we're going to get this into the room. Guys, the couch doesn't fit. We don't know if we're going to be able to get the couch inside. So our landlord lives in the, in let's like a duplex, right? So we, our landlord was like, can I help you guys move it? And we're like, please, yes. He's like my age. He's a nice, really nice guy. And so, cause I thought Tosh and I could move it, but then again, it's a white couch. It's one thing to like strong arm, you know, a, a table or something, but like any, any, any wrong movement and this thing's going to get stained. So he helps, but it kind of kicks off as we we're trying to lower it. Cause it was so heavy and we scraped part of it. So one of the edges now has a rip in it and Tasha's feeling really sad because she really wanted this couch. I'm feeling annoyed because I rented a truck and went through with all the loops and bells and whistles to get this thing. I'm surprised it even, you know, didn't fly off the, you know, out of the back on the highway. And now we've got a fully uh, wrapped in plastic couch in our backyard in an ottoman that we don't want. Uh, we want the couch. We just don't know if it's going to fit in. So as I report this to you guys right now, I don't know if it's going to make it inside. And if it doesn't, we dropped it. So now it's not even worth, I don't think we could even get a thousand bucks for it. So we literally threw a thousand dollars out the window, like just threw it out the window. But if, if we threw the thousand dollars out the window, at least someone would have collected it. But this is just money that disappeared. Hopefully we can get it inside. It's still going to be tight, but the, the idea is we'll have a pullout couch, but it'll also be where our guests and Tasha sit if we, if we continue to do group podcasts. I'd love to know from you guys, my audio listeners, what you would like as the world's reopening. Would you like um, solo episodes still? Which honestly... For me, I love interviewing someone else. I love the conversation, but it's not the breadwinner. The podcast doesn't make any money. The Patreon's starting to. I can't believe the Patreon. It's up to. It was up to um, almost seven hundred dollars, uh, which it's it's only really been at a hundred dollars for the last couple of years. But it was up to seven hundred dollars. It it got up to seventy Patreon members, and I understand people will come and go. So I understand that not everyone's there. But I was like shocked. I was like, man maybe this, you know, season of the bachelor as the YouTube grows, maybe we get that up to a hundred members. Uh, but the point, the point being is that the podcast itself doesn't have any sponsors or bring in much money. And because of the pandemic, we've probably lost like 40% of our listeners. So it's hard to stay motivated, especially when it's hard to get guests booked and know that the house isn't ready yet. So like we're reorganizing things. I don't know. So I'm not, I'm not just saying this to complain. There's so much to be happy and proud about, but 
it it does um it does make me wonder what the next iteration of the podcast will be. I know I've talked about this a lot. Will it just should should it be something that I do once a week, just a solo episode, me and you guys? Um, do you guys like the motivation? Do you like the storytelling? I, I never during the during the um during the pandemic, I never wanted to go to Skype interviews because I think they suck, and I I prefer to either see and meet people in person and get to know them and like become friends, like, like a sandbox. It's like, I'd rather do that or like nothing at all. So that's why I was like, you know what? I'm just okay having a conversation with you guys and sharing my inner workings with you guys. And maybe that's what it is. So anyway, I'd love for you guys to let me know, slide into my DMS at D Niels, or if you're on Patreon, send me a message or wherever you, wherever you are, get in touch with me and tell me what you like most about the podcast and how you think I could evolve it as I continue to evolve. Um, I love what the big YouTubers do. Like the, I don't know if it's Jake Paul or his brother. I don't really follow them, but they have like a proper, they have like a proper podcasting studio. I love the idea. Like, like um, for those listening to the audio only, I've upgraded some new equipment uh, for my YouTube, which is like a stream deck, which allows me to hit certain buttons on my, on this little device and it'll go straight to the recording. So it's basically limiting how much post-production I do. I'm spending good money to make sure I can streamline everything that I do because I don't want to, my channel is not big enough to have to pay anyone to like have any employees, but it's too big. Like my, I'm spending too much time producing stuff that, you know, doing a three camera podcast setup would require hours of post-production and it's just not worth it because those episodes don't pay anything. So that's, that's kind of where my head's at right now. It's like, if I do get to a size where the podcast can be bigger or the YouTube can be bigger, then I can afford to pay someone to be my guy who like turns the lights on and turns the lights off, do whatever you need to do to get it up. And when the red button's rolling, we'll bring it on the podcast. I think that's the next step and having, having that be somewhere that's not at home. I, re- I remember Joe Rogan was like po- uh, podcasting from home until he got a studio. And I totally understand the vibe and energy of bringing people into your house. And like as an extrovert, it, it's not even that big of a deal to me. But to Tasha, I can tell it wears a lot on her when people come over. And in some, in most cases, it's like a good conversation. And, you know, she, and we feel good after, but in a lot of cases, even, even with that good conversation, it took a lot to get there. So I kind of feel like I'd almost rather have like a proper podcasting studio when the time comes, than do it from home. But in the meantime, this is where we are. So I don't know how long that, that will last, but do I change the sap, which, you know, I've always enjoyed the sap, but the sap doesn't really mean much as far as like a title goes. Does it become like a Dave Neal thing? where I go by more by name, you know, with YouTube, it's the name's really important. Like, like, uh, I've never, I never really considered this, but the Dave Neal show would tell an audience more about what they're going to get than if they just randomly stumbled upon the sap, you know what I mean? So when I first made it, the sap sex actually podcast, I was like, well, we need to have sex in the title. We need to like be edgy and this and that. And then I realized the audience, like what we talk about can be edgy, but the audience themselves, like the, uh, the algorithm, YouTube, they, they almost, it almost worked against me. I can't tell you how many things I've done in, in entertainment that have worked against me. And, and the, the sex actually podcast was one of them by calling it sex actually podcast on YouTube, it would immediately get demonetized. So I had to switch it to the sap. I realized that like, just by saying sex, it's so taboo 
to talk about that advertisers, they just want PG content. So by calling it Sex Actually Podcast, you price your way out of what would what would inevitably inevitably be an adult conversation, but one that's nuanced and not like something that would uh, make you blush in most cases, you know, if it was done in, in other circumstances. Does that make sense? I had a whole list of tabs I was going to talk about, but honestly, I don't think I'm going to get to any of them. I kind of, I kind of liked where we went today. Um, I do, I, I, you know what? I will read a couple of these rants that I found from the dating subreddit because a lot of times it's just, it's a good jumping off point. So let me read a couple of these. Let me, uh, you know what? Let me have a sip of this coffee. The title is my date bailed without saying anything. So I went on the date anyways. Me and my Bumble date, who I've met once before, were supposed to hang out today. We were going to go on a hike, hiking trail and then out to dinner. I texted to confirm the date last night and he opens my chat but doesn't respond. Today comes and I decided I still wanted to go, but I went with my favorite person instead, myself. I had an amazing time solo. Don't get discouraged if someone bails on you. You guys know my story. Right, right before I started dating Tasha... I was actually invited to go out with a couple friends, girls, but I wasn't trying to hook up with them. They were just friends. I was new to Los Angeles and we were supposed to meet at the bar at like 9.30, whatever. Well, I show up at 9.30 and they're like, oh yeah, we haven't even left yet. You know, I don't know what they were doing. They were changing their outfits, whatever the case may be. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, I can either wait in the car for these friend, quote unquote friends, or I can just start, I can just go into the bar, which sounds like a psychotic move. So I went into the bar. I ended up meeting a really cool girl. We hit it off. I made, I, I ended up becoming friends with her friends. And we, we just, in, in, you know, it was a, it was a nice short lived relationship that would have never happened if I didn't go out on my own and out on that limb. And it, it kind of reminds me a lot of the things we're talking about, about uh, earlier in the episode about how you need to, we need to get better at learning how to ask. We need to get better at, um, at, 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 at moving ourselves to an uncomfortable spot. And it was uncomfortable for me to go to that bar by myself. But I said, you know what? I'm going to pretend like I'm best friends with this bartender. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have a drink. And if anyone comes into my atmosphere that I want to talk to, I'm going to talk to them. And I struck a conversation up with these people. They got a kick out of me. They weren't creeped out by me. They weren't none of this. By the time my friends actually showed up to the bar, I had a circle of people around me. And I was like, man, the freedom. Well, while from the from an outsider, it might have looked like I had I had it all figured out. It might have looked like I was I had the confidence of a million people, but the truth was I was really nervous to do that. And I just said, you know what? Fuck it. You know what? Who cares? Who's looking at me? I'm not the center of the universe. I can do what I want. I can dance my dance like nobody's watching. And sure enough, I was instantly rewarded by meeting some really cool people. That, you know, maybe they didn't even see me there. Maybe they were just going up to the bar to order drinks and then I struck up a conversation or maybe they kind of caught my energy of not giving two fucks and maybe they were like, all right, cool. This guy's just hanging out, whatever. We'll get a drink next to him. I always say this for the, for the single people out there. I don't know if this has changed, but I think the best way to strike up a conversation is to hang out at the actual bar. Now, don't get a booth off, off on your own, hang out at the bar, hang out where someone's got to squeeze between you for a drink. And if they're, if they were checking you out or you were checking them out and you do a double take and you, Hey, uh, you you could literally talk about anything. If the vibes are there, that person can now take their drink and go back to where they were going, or they can hang out with you. It takes the pressure off, but it creates this little, uh, little opportunity there. There actually might be another, uh, 
another thing here that talks about opportunity. Um, let me see if I can find it. Meeting someone is based on luck. Oh, here it is. Meeting someone is based on luck. It, but again, it's kind of like the hitch thing. It's about creating luck. It's like if you love certain activities, like if you really love hiking and are passionate about hiking, then it wouldn't be the craziest idea to join a hiking club or go hiking more often or hang out near trails. Now, of course, that's also probably like the first, you know, way you get, you know, kidnapped. But the point, you know, you, you get the point. Meeting someone is based on luck. After searching for what feels like an eternity for a boyfriend or a future significant other, I've come to the realization that dating and finding a good person for you is just luck-based. Groundbreaking, revolutionary discovery, I know, in all seriousness, though. For the longest time, I always thought there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't good enough or had to keep working on myself to meet someone. Turns out that for most people, this isn't really the case, and rather, you just need to be at the right place at the right time. If you're using a dating app, then that means swiping at the right time. For a lot of us women, yes, waiting around can work sometimes because men are expected to make the first moves. For men, however, waiting around and just hoping for a magical woman to fall into their lap isn't going to happen. They're expecting to initiate most of the time. In conclusion, I've decided to just stop looking, just going to live my life one day at a time, and maybe, just maybe, I'll have that lucky day when I'm in the right place and right time to meet him. So I, I wouldn't even use the word luck, Meeting someone is based on luck. How about, and this is going to be a little more wordy, meeting someone is out of your physical control. So be the best version of yourself doing the things you love the most and that radiance will transcend the physical world and someone will be taken up by it and they'll want to hang out with you. And, you know, saying it's just luck, but then being cynical. No one's going to want to be with a cynic unless they're a cynic. And then you got two cynics and how's that going to work out? So it's just like stocks you want to sell at your highest. So be your best self. Take care of yourself. Take care of your physical, mental, and emotional being. And then that luck will present itself in a way that's probably more calculated than we even know. Just my thought. You know, when Tasha and I started dating, I, we were both in a pretty healthy place. We didn't need each other. We want, we chose each other. And, and that's an important thing to remember. You know, I think I'll leave it on that. I think I will leave it on that. Leave a comment um, on the YouTube if you're watching on the Patreon. Leave a Patreon comment or slide into my DMs if you're listening. I'll take any advice or criticism. Whatever you guys think is working or not working, uh, I'm always down to answer your questions, this and that. I do appreciate all the new Patreon members. Thank you so much. Uh, next week on Monday... This coming Monday starts the new season of Bachelorette. And there's going to be three seasons in a row. So I'm going to do my best to deliver all of the content I love to deliver. I'm also going to do my best to water my own plants and take care of those things that I've opened up to you guys about that I have been neglecting. And I challenge you guys to all do the same. Live a balanced, healthy life. And meeting someone will be less luck and more. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be more about serendipity because you'll be taking care of yourself and who wouldn't want to be with someone else who's independent, happy, feeling graceful, full of gratitude. Just preach all of that, live it, and you might find that luck faster than you think. All right, guys, that's the episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching. I'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. The